0: Thank you so much for taking the time to watch this talk on teaching your kids truth in a noisy world. Well, if you're not familiar with my ministry, I write and speak about apologetics specifically for parents. And in the last several years, I have had the opportunity to talk with thousands and thousands of Christian parents about the concerns they have and the challenges they have with raising kids to know and love the Lord in today's increasingly secular world. And as I've done that, I have heard something over and over again from parents. and It's really like this recurring theme that is coming through, and it's this. It's that the voices in today's world are becoming so influential in our kids' lives and they're competing so much for their attention that we feel that our own words, our own influence is getting drowned out. The world is a noisy, noisy place and our voices sometimes feel like they're getting quieter and quieter. In other words, parents say, I know it shouldn't be like this. I know that I should be the primary spiritual influencer in the lives of my kids, but it's just so hard. It's so hard when the world seems to be winning the hearts and minds of my kids. What should we do as parents? A lot of times I think we feel like we're kind of Waldo in a Where's Waldo activity book. So you probably remember from having young kids, or maybe you have young kids right now, the Where's Waldo character. He looks something like this. He has a very characteristic look about him, a red and white shirt and a little beanie cap, and he's got his unique glasses. And the whole idea of Where's Waldo books is that you are looking for him in some kind of very busy activity scene that might look something like this one. So somewhere in that picture, Waldo is lost. And the fun of it is that you're supposed to search through all this activity, all this busyness, all this noise, and locate Waldo. I think that we feel like that as parents a lot of the time. We feel like we're somehow lost in this giant, vast sea of noise in today's world, and we just can't jump off the page. That's what we really want, right? We wish we were jumping off the pages of their lives like a big Waldo face that says, follow Jesus, because we know this is the most important thing that we want our kids to hear. But we also feel a lot of times like Waldo has laid up on us because our kids are going looking for him in the activity book, and they're not always coming looking for us. So what do we do as Christian parents? Well, I wish that I were here to tell you that none of these feelings that parents have are actually right. I wish that I could be a cheerleader and say, don't worry about it. This isn't true. Your kids are always going to look to you as the primary influencer in their lives. They're going to automatically just default to whatever you think. I'm not going to say that because it's just not true. And I think we all know that it's not true. In fact, the research shows that at least 60% of kids are walking away from their faith today, and there's really no question about this. There have been lots of independent organizations that have studied this over the last several years, and they all find the same thing, that somewhere between 60 and 90% of kids are walking away from their Christian faith by their early 20s. Now, researchers don't simply leave it there and say, wow, this is a really crazy problem. They actually dig into it and they look to see why kids are walking away. And what they find is that many of those kids are walking away because of the intellectual challenges to the Christian faith that they're encountering out in the world. In other words, the noise is having an impact. It's not just an illusion. It's not just our feelings. That noise is real. So how are we gonna respond? That's the big question that I wanna talk about in the little bit of time that we have. How should we best respond as parents? Because there are a lot of responses we could have and not all of them are going to be the most productive, fruitful kinds of responses. So I wanna talk about how we can respond with an influencer mentality. Here's how I would define an influencer mentality. It's the thought that I want my kids to hear and thoughtfully consider. think about that for a minute I want my kids to hear and thoughtfully consider see this is the goal the mentality that we need to have because if we don't have the right mentality then we're going to execute in some ways that won't be fruitful but notice what I didn't say I didn't say I want my kids to hear to thoughtfully consider and then immediately agree with everything I have to say not only is that unrealistic But it's not something the Bible calls us to. We're not ultimately told that we're responsible for our kids' relationship with the Lord. That's between them and God. I think sometimes I refer to this as a purchaser mentality because sometimes parents think, well, if I'm going to put in X and Y, then I'm going to have this guaranteed outcome of Z. That's really thinking of this as a purchase process. And if we think of it that way, it will lead to resentment and a lot of frustration if we don't think that what we're putting in is getting out exactly what we think should happen. Instead, we want to think of this from an investor perspective, that we can't guarantee the outcome, but we can pour into our kids' lives in a thoughtful way. And in a noisy world, what we're looking for is for them to hear, so our isn't completely drowned out but also not just to hear, but to process that, to thoughtfully consider. So this is the mentality that we want to go in with. Now, that sounds great, right? But how do you actually do that? Well, I want to bring in some insights from the world of marketing and this is based on my professional background. I used to be a corporate marketing executive. I have an MBA in marketing and statistics. I love marketing. It's something that I'm passionate about, and it's been interesting to me to see over the last few years that I've really been thinking about the subject of faith development and parenting and discipleship, just how many insights from marketing can apply in this area. Now, I know there's a lot of baggage around the idea of marketing, so let's just get really clear first on what marketing is at its core when we those things away. Here's a good definition. The discipline of how to effectively get a given message to a given audience. That's all marketing really is. In other words, marketers are expert influencers. And so that's why there are some really important insights from marketing that can help us think about how we can get our kids to better hear and thoughtfully consider the message that we have. Okay, so how do marketers do this? How, how do they actually get people to listen? Well, they know a couple of things. Number one, they know that the relevance of the message is extraordinarily important when it comes to having influence in someone's life. And number two, they know that the prominence of the message is extremely important. Now the relevance of the message simply means how well what you have to say matches a need that someone feels that they have. That's what we're gonna spend the rest of our time talking about. But number two on prominence, if I had a lot more time, we would talk about this one because no matter how relevant your message is, no matter how much you nail it, and you have the best, most relevant message in the world for your kids, If you only deliver that message to them once a year or if this is a very inconsistent part of your life and you're not regularly engaging in these conversations with your kids, they're not going to hear. It will get drowned out. So prominence is extremely important. You can't just have a relevant message. It has to be regularly put in front of someone. So for the prominence piece, we can't forget about it, but we're not going to focus on that one today. Instead, I want to talk more about relevance because I think this is what parents really struggle with thinking about. So what do we mean by relevance? A couple of things. Let's look at these. Number one is having the right message. This is so important today, because if we see that lots of kids are walking away from their faith for various reasons, we've gotta really understand what's going on so that we have the right message for our kids to hear and thoughtfully consider. If we don't have that right message and we're just getting them to hear and thoughtfully consider something that's not all that important, we've already gone down the wrong road. So that's the first thing is just to have the right message. But the second thing is to be addressing a felt need. Now, marketers know that there's a difference between real needs and felt needs. You can have a real need for something that you don't feel the need for. So I can give you an example with healthy food, for example. With healthy food, everyone has a real need for that. Every single person has a need for that, but not everyone feels the need for it. I know that in my own life, I, if I focus on eating well, that that feels great, but I don't always feel like I want to do that. I don't have a felt need for it. So a marketer is going to look at a health product, if that's what they're marketing, and they're going to say, okay, yes, I know people need this, but they don't feel the need for it, so I'm going to look for other felt needs that they have and then I can address their real need through that. So it's kind of a backdoor way of getting at this. So we're gonna talk about both of these things, both getting the message right and hitting a felt need that our kids have. So how do we get the message right? Well, we can't get the message right unless we understand a little bit more about the messages that our kids are hearing. What's going on in this noisy world exactly? Let me give you just a few examples of the kinds of messages that kids are hearing. They might hear things like this. Believing in miracles is stupid. God doesn't exist. Science disproves God. The Bible's filled with errors and contradictions. Religion just poisons everything. All religions are basically the same. Christianity was copied from pagan religions. Hey, by the way, Christians are intolerant, hateful, bigots. These are the kinds of messages that kids are hearing today, and we could go on and on and talk for a very long time about all these messages and many more, but I think you get the big idea here that overwhelmingly the world is saying Christianity is not true, and not only is it not true, but it's bad. It's undesirable. This is the message that is being put forth so much by the noise of the world. But then we have to consider, well, what are Christian parents saying right now? What are we saying? What is the message in most homes? And although this is not based on some kind of specific research study, I know from talking to parents that they're not generally discussing each of these kinds of challenges. Unfortunately, in a lot of Christian homes, it looks more like this a well-meaning family in between all of their grocery shopping and their sports activities and extracurriculars, all these things, they're getting across messages like Jesus loves you and we need to be sure we do what the Bible says and let's put our trust in God and you have to have faith. Hey, don't forget to read your devotional and be sure to attend youth group. These are all good messages. There's nothing wrong with them. But with a world as noisy as ours, when you hear the kinds of messages that are out there, I think you can see that there's a major gap between what the world is saying and how most Christian families are responding. So if we know that this is the nature of the noise, then we know what the right message is in terms of how we need to respond. And here it is. If the world is saying that Christianity is not true, Our message needs to be that Christianity is true and it's desirable. Now, I don't mean that this is just going to become some kind of tug of war where the world says Christianity is not true and we say it is true and they say it's not true and we say it is true. It's not that kind of battle. Of course, we have to go deeper with our kids in helping them understand why there's good reason to believe that Christianity is true. And if you're new to apologetics, that can sound overwhelming. It sounds like this giant question. So I just want to simplify it a little bit and break it down to four big questions that we need to be talking about with our kids. And so many of the other questions, the vast majority of questions, all roll up into one of these. So let me just briefly describe them to give you an idea of what we're talking about here. Number one, what evidence is there for God's existence? This is the most basic question, the most foundational question, because we don't ever have to talk about whether Jesus was God or if the Bible is God's word if there's not good reason to believe that God exists in the first place. So, we have to start with this very fundamental question. I think a lot of parents jump over it and just assume that our kids believe that God exists and we're just talking about what the Bible says. But a lot of kids today, when they walk away, are specifically walking away from a theistic worldview. They are becoming atheists or they are becoming agnostics. So, we need to really make sure that our kids understand this evidence. Number two is can multiple religions be true? This is a really important question and here's why. If we can't show that there cannot be multiple religions that are true at the same time, then our kids might tune us out because they'll say, yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying. You're saying that Christianity is true, but that's fine. Islam's true, Mormonism's is true. Everything's basically true. It's all just different ways of pointing to God. So they're not going to be interested in this message of Christianity being true because they think everything is true. But spoiler alert on this one, There's no possible way, just logically speaking, for multiple religions to be true at the same time. They make logically contradictory claims about the nature of reality. The big questions of life about where we came from, why we're here, where we're going. All of these questions have very different and contradictory answers between different religions. So multiple religions cannot be true. So where does that take us? Well, we've established that there's good evidence for God's existence, or hopefully we have with our kids. And then we've established that multiple religions cannot be true at the same time. So that should lead us to then ask, well, how would we know which religion is true if God has revealed himself in some way? When we're talking about Christianity specifically, there is a truth test that Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians 15:14. He says that if Christ has not been raised, our faith is in vain. And I just love this verse because it so directly tells us what the truth test for Christianity is. It's the resurrection. If Jesus was raised from the dead, then he was who he said he was. It validated his claims to divinity. It validated his claims that he is our creator, our sustainer, that he is the authority of our lives. And that changes everything. Christianity is true. But... If he wasn't raised from the dead, then we can all pack our backs and go home. It doesn't matter what Jesus had to say. So what is the historical evidence for the resurrection? Why do we have good reason to believe that someone really did come back from dead to life 2,000 years ago? That's the big third question. And finally, number four, what evidence is there for the reliability of the Bible? It's very possible, and I've seen it many times, that someone goes through those first three questions and gets down to, yes, I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead and that he's my Lord and Savior, but they don't necessarily believe that the Bible is God's Word. And this is a really big challenge today. This is a very big problem because the Bible tells us what to do with the information that Christianity is true. If Jesus was raised from the dead, then what? What does that mean for us? And what does it mean for our lives and what we do and our responsibility and who we are in our relationship to God, what he requires of us? So many of these questions are answered in the Bible. So we've got to talk to our kids about the reliability of God's word. These are four big questions and I just did a very quick flyover on them but if you need a jumping-off place where to start I've written three books that answer all of these questions and go much deeper into all of these areas my newest one is called talking with your kids about Jesus and at the end of this I'll show you the other books as well but once we get past the is Christianity true part, is it desirable, we start to see, okay, now I have the right message in hand. A lot of you are probably saying, but wait a second. Okay, now I have the right message. What if my kids just aren't interested? They they may hear this, but they may not care enough to go to the next step of really listening or thoughtfully considering like we were talking about earlier. Off. Well, this is where marketers can help us out also. They know that a lot of times people don't feel the need for the message that they're offering. So let me give you an example of how marketers see this. If you're marketing a gem membership, for example, I want you to think right now what the best time of year would be to market that gem membership. What immediately comes to mind? end of December, beginning of January, right? Because even if someone didn't care about exercise the rest of the year, maybe you're like me, you don't naturally care about exercise in July or August or maybe any time, but when it gets to the end of the year, the situation has changed. And now, there's a new year coming, now you start to care a little bit more, now it's more relevant, and you start to hear those ads on the radio. You start to see the ads on TV, whereas before you didn't care at all. Marketers call this situational relevance. Suddenly something becomes relevant to you because your situation has changed in some way. So for kids who don't have a natural interest in talking about all of these big questions of life, We can find a way to kind of come in the back door just like a marketer would and find the situations that make it more relevant to them. And I'm a firm believer that every kid ultimately, every human ultimately is interested in the big questions of life. We just have to find those entry points, those doors into relevance. So I wanna leave you in this talk with just a few examples of finding situational relevance to open the doors of conversation. So let's look at the first one. First example is with the coronavirus, okay? This is something that everyone has been dealing with. This is something that has fundamentally shifted your kids' lives, whether they had to come home from school or they can't see their friends. There are all kinds of things that have changed in your kids' lives. This is the perfect time to bring up some of these big questions and say, you know, a lot of people are saying that God must not exist because things like this happen. you know. Why would there be this virus? Why are these things happening? And challenge your kids to think about it. Tell them what people are saying, because you know what? They're probably thinking that too, even if they don't verbalize it to you. So this is a perfect example of that situational relevance. We are in a changed situation, and suddenly these questions come out very naturally. These discussion topics just fit very well with the time and place that we're in. Let's look at a second one. Comments from friends. This is huge because friends are very relevant to kids. They care what their friends have to say. My son last year, and my my kids have attended a private Christian school for the last few years, and at his Christian school, they were studying the solar system, and one of his friends actually told him at recess, hey, I don't think God created the solar system. So later that day, when I picked my son up from school, just in the course of conversation, we were talking, and he just mentioned offhandedly this comment. Now, he wasn't coming to me and saying, hey, how should I respond and, you know, how do I think about these things? And that would probably trigger any parent to start talking about them. But what you want to do is identify those opportunities. And if your child mentions something, that's the time when you say, oh, wow, that's so interesting. So why do you think God created the solar system? And challenge them to think a little bit about this and to give you an answer. So comments from friends can be a perfect time to have a lot of these conversations. Let's look at a third one, visits from Jehovah's Witnesses. I know that you probably, if you get a knock on the door and you look out and you see who it is and you see that it's someone from a local Jehovah's Witness church, you probably don't wanna open the door. A lot of times people just kind of avoid that. But if your kids are there, and of course, if they're not there, it's a great thing to have these conversations anyway, but in the context of our current conversation, If your kids are there, it's perfect to bring this person in or these people in and sit down and just demonstrate how to ask good questions. You might not know anything about what they believe, but that's okay because it's an opportunity for you to demonstrate in front of your kids how we can have these conversations and how we can learn about what other people think. And then afterwards, you can have a debrief and talk about, hey, what did we learn from them and why does this matter? Why, why does it even matter for us to have a conversation as Christians with people who believe differently from us, who even use what they would say is a very similar Bible. So that's another great opportunity. Here's a fourth one. Celebrity comments. Okay, celebrities say stuff all the time, I hope this isn't a shocking point to make, but celebrities say stuff all the time that conflicts with a Christian worldview. This gives an excellent time for you to bring up these questions with your kids, especially if it's a celebrity they care about. If somebody really popular says something, then it's the time where you say, hey, look at this, look what, what, look what this person said, or look at these lyrics on this song that just came out. What do you think about that? How does that compare to a Christian worldview? What do you think about what they had to say? It makes for great discussion with your kids. And as a starting point, if you wanted to actually bring something to them, just go Google atheist celebrity memes. You'll find all kinds of quotes that you can use as jumping off points for conversations if you go to the images tab on Google. And finally, a great time to talk about all of these big questions is when there's an unanswered prayer in your family. Maybe you as a family have really been praying for someone's healing, you've been praying for something to happen, a direction in your lives, whatever the case may be, and it just doesn't happen. Well, skeptics today would say that that's evidence that God doesn't even exist, and it brings up all these questions of the hiddenness of God. Knowing that, it's a perfect time for you to bring these things up. And instead of just giving the trite answer, well, God sometimes says yes, sometimes says no, sometimes says not yet, which is a common response parents give their kids. Instead of that, dig in deep. Say, hey, do you think that this might suggest that God doesn't exist if this prayer isn't answered in the way that we hope? Why or why not? And what does the Bible actually say about prayer and what god promises and what does he not promise get clarity around those things don't just leave it to your kids to decide for themselves these are just a few examples of finding situational relevance when we have the right message and we understand our kids desperately need to understand why there's good reason to believe christianity is true today and when we find the felt need that they have so that we can build on situational relevance We put those things together and it will help our kids to hear and thoughtfully consider what we have to say in a very noisy world. We don't have to be like Waldo lost on the page. We really can jump off the page and have our kids hear what we have to say. It just takes a little bit of time and effort, but there's no more important investment that we can make than knowing that we can be that influencer in our kids' lives and pouring into their lives and letting God take that investment and make it grow all for His glory. Thank you so much for taking the time to watch.